All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Vero Beach Church of Christ. If you're visiting this morning, let me welcome you. I'm Peyton. I'm one of the ministers here along with Tracy, and we are so grateful that you decided to worship God this morning with this church body. We're starting a brand new series to kick off a brand new year. We're talking all about change. Change. It makes me wonder how many of you, when the calendar year turned over, you said, there is something in my life I want to change. It could be anything. For many people, it's their weight. For some, it's their Bible reading habits or their prayer life. Still for others, it's how they spend their money or how they talk to their kids. Change. We have a mixed relationship with change. I told somebody this morning, I'm talking about change, and they said, ooh, change? <laughs> like, what? why change? Other people are excited about change because change is not a bad thing. It's something that in some part of our lives we all want, in some area, right? So let me just ask you, of everybody with the turn of the new year, 2024, you said, I want to change something in my life. Simple question, how's it going? How's it going for you? How is that change going? Maybe right now it's going pretty well. Maybe you're trying out new habits. Maybe you're trying something new. You're changing your mindset. And if it's going well, congratulations, because you really are the exception. In fact, a study of 40 million people indicated that the majority of people who say, I want to make change in my life and set out to make change, change within two weeks. They completely quit their goals. In fact, the second Friday in January is considered National Quitters Day. I'm not kidding. That is the day that the majority of people will absolutely, for various reasons, drop their goals, their desire to change immediately. National Quitters Day. Now, we all have good intentions when we want to make changes. We all have a good heart. That's the whole purpose of like setting goals is we want to change something about us, something around us for the better. But if we just talk truth, let's just be real with each other. At the end of 2024, some of you are going to weigh the same thing that you weigh right now. Some of you are going to spend more than you actually make. Some of you are going to want to read your Bible more, but you just will not have picked up that habit. Change. So what we're going to do in this series, what I'm going to do today, this morning, is I want to talk to those of you who want to change, who hope to change, who may even feel like change is impossible in your life. Today's lesson is for those of you who feel stuck. Stuck in your circumstances, stuck in your habits, stuck in your choices, stuck, stuck in your thoughts. If you are sick and tired of being stuck, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm tired of being stuck. I'm tired of being stuck, right? I'm tired of being stuck in my habits. I'm tired of being stuck in my thought patterns. I'm tired of being stuck with this weight. I'm tired of being stuck of not going to church how much I know I should. I'm tired of not reading my Bible enough. I'm tired of the negative thoughts. I'm just tired of it, but I don't know how to actually bring about change. You feel like the majority of us do. You feel frustrated, exhausted, embarrassed, maybe even ashamed that you can't change. 
the good news is you're in the majority. You're like most people. Most people in that 40 million, dollar, 40 million people study said, yes, I can't change. Most people in this room, if you really broke it down, said, yes, I agree. I struggle to change. But even in your Bible, there are people who struggle to change. Easy question. Who wrote the majority of the New Testament? Just yell it out. Paul, right? Paul. And Paul recognizes how hard change is. In fact, he says it this way. For I don't understand my own actions. I don't know why I do the things I do. For I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. In other words, Paul is just as surprised as you are at his inability to change. I have a tendency, whenever I can't change something, to question myself. I'll say things like, what's wrong with me? Like, I was literally struggling with this thing last year and the year before that, and I did everything that they told me to do. I set goals, I made vows, I had accountability partners, I made vision boards, I set out my clothes, I did all of this stuff, and yet I'm the same person that was today or that was yesterday. You know what that suggests to me? It suggests that I may have the right intentions, but I have the wrong strategy, that I was trying to change, but I was changing the wrong way. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Today's uh, lesson and this entire series is adapted from a book by Christian pastor Greg Crochelle called The Power of Change. If you want to know more and dive deeper, I encourage you to grab that book and read more about it. But if we're going to talk about change, we need to start with this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. How do we experience real change? Real change is not behavior modification. No, no, no. Real change is spiritual transformation. And there's a difference between those things. And I want you to write this down because this is going to be the bedrock of what we're talking about. It's not about changing what we do on the outside It's instead focusing and allowing God to change who we are on the inside. And this is where the rest of the world misses it entirely. Every self-motivation, self-help, goal-oriented, the best version of you, book, guru, motivational poster out there is going to talk about and hone in on behavior modification, how to change your actions and what you do, which is all well and good right? We're talking about changing our behavior, but it's not where we start. We're spiritual creatures. And especially as Christians, we have God's spirit inside of us. We have access to power that we can't fathom to change the things in our lives that we so desperately want to change. And yet, all we seem to focus on is the outward and not what's happening on the inside, which is why the Apostle Paul said what he said in our verse just now. I don't know why I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't know why I can't do the things that I so desperately want to do. And he goes on a little bit further, and he calls himself this wretched man, this wretched body that I have, which you have probably felt a time or two in your life. Like, why do I feel this way? Why am I this way? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Which is just language of like, Why do I keep doing things that are not good for me? 
So what does Paul do? Well, Paul says, well, think about all the things that I can do. Oh, if I just pull myself up by the bootstrap, if I just focus a little bit more, if I just set better goals and have better habits. No, no, no. Where does Paul go first? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is not our effort. It's not our outward behavior. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's not behavior modification that we care about. It's spiritual transformation. There's three mindsets that Christians have when it comes to change. Three mindsets that you can adapt or adopt. Two of them are wrong. One of them is correct. I'm going to give you the two wrong ones at the beginning. The first mindset that you can have when it comes to change in your life is a God-then-me mindset. That is, God did all of the work at the beginning. God drew me into his spirit. God wooed me with the Holy Spirit. God saved my life by his grace. I am heaven-bound. God did everything. And then, with this mindset, he set me free. He said, good luck out there, champ. You can do it on your own. It's a solely me-centered, what can I do? And here's the thing is most Christians will say, no, that's not me. But inadvertently, that is the mindset that we adopt with change. And it comes out in these phrases that we say, I'm going to try to stop losing my temper with my kids. I'm going to stop cussing, darn it. Am I allowed to say darn it still? I don't know. I'm going to get close to God and stop scrolling on TikTok for four hours a day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do. It's a solo mission mentality. God got me here, and thank God that he did, but now he expects me to do the rest of the work. It's a God-then-me mindset. Second mindset that you can adopt when it comes to change in your life is a God-not-me mentality. Now, while the first is all about my effort, what can I do? How can I work harder? The second is it almost absolves me of all effort and responsibility entirely. It's like, God, you just kind of take the wheel, right? I'm going to give all responsibility, which seems noble, which seems honorable, but it's actually extremely selfish. Here's what this looks like. In a God, not me mentality of change. If I don't like my job, I'll just quit it by the glory of God. And then I will expect God to deliver me one that he wants me to have. Not a good strategy. And some of you may have experienced that strategy and how it doesn't work out too well for you. Here's another example. Maybe you say, I want to get closer to God this year but you're going to attend church like you normally do. You're going to read your Bible minimally, and then you're going to wonder, wouldn't God want me to just want him? Like, wouldn't he just put in my heart to want these things desperately? Like, God, you must not actually want me to get close to you. It's a God, not me mentality. Here's the last one. Some of you are going to spend your money however you want, wherever you want, however you want. And then you'll go buy a lottery ticket and say, God, if you want me to be wealthy, you'll make me a winner this time, right? God then me is me-centered. God not me is me-excused. So what kind of mindset should we have besides these wrong and dangerous ones? It is God through 
me. Everybody say that with me. God through me. This is spiritual transformation that we are looking for. And this is the principle that Paul recognized. A guy who said, I don't know why I can't change. I don't know why I don't do the things that I want to do. But Jesus, I'm relying on you. And this is processed in Paul's writing. We're going to move to a different part of Paul's writing. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to show you a verse that blew me away as I was studying for this lesson. Paul in his humility, Paul in his boldness, Paul in his dependence on God, he says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I am the least of the apostles. Stop right there for a second and think about that statement. This is Paul who wrote the the majority of the New Testament. This is Paul who wrote like a baz- who who planted like a bazillion churches. This is Paul who gave up his life for the gospel. And he's saying, based on my qualifications, based on my sin, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. I have persecuted Christians. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. And Check this out. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Paul doesn't sugarcoat this point. He doesn't fluff people up so that they feel better about themselves. He just gets to the core of it. Paul says, I was able to accomplish all the things I was able to accomplish because I worked harder at those things. He got up earlier. He stayed up later. He started more churches. He raised more leaders. He preached the gospel more ferociously and fearlessly. He was beaten and beaten and beaten again. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was whipped. He was thrown out of a town and persecuted only to come back and preach the same gospel. He was thrown into jail and and all of these things. He says, I worked harder than anybody else in this. But pay attention. Paul doesn't just simply boast and say, look at me. But he realigns his perspective. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I don't even deserve to be here, Paul says, but the grace of God puts me here. And what we need to pull from this is the same grace that saved Paul is the same grace that changed him, that did things through him. Paul brought every bit of energy and effort from his physical, from his mental, from his spiritual that he could. He gave his entire life to the gospel, but he wasn't alone. Real change is not God brings you here and then you do the rest. Real change is not you kicking back and saying, God, do your work and I'll marvel at it. No, real change is allowing God to work through you. It's not behavior modification we're talking about. It's spiritual transformation. Okay, but let's let's break this down to the real nitty-gritty, right? Let's, let's, Let's make this a little more practical. Like, what does spiritual transformation look like tomorrow afternoon whenever I want to grab three bags of potato chips and just munch down on them? 
What does spiritual transformation look like whenever the boys push my buttons just right and I like want to lose my temper? I want to explode on them. What does spiritual transformation look like whenever I want to jump on Amazon and drop a couple hundred dollars on things that I don't need? What does spiritual transformation look like whenever I'm sitting at my office desk looking out the window and the grass is greener and the opportunities are better somewhere else? If real change is God working through you, what does that look like practically? And this is really important. I want you to write this down because this is the secret. This is the thing the rest of the world is missing if about change and how to really capture it. In order to undergo spiritual transformation, it has to be spiritual. That's it? That was it? That's all you got? It's got to be spiritual? What does that even mean? You got to make it spiritual. If you want to experience change in your life, then you have to realign your mind so that you're tapping into the power of God's spirit in your life, not simply your own willpower. Because that's all we do. We will simply focus on what do I need to do that we don't take a step back and say, how do I progress forward using the Spirit of God? So here's what happened, right? Here's what happened. The new year rolled around and you said, I need to change blank. Fill in the blank. I'm going to give you an example here. We're just going to use weight loss because that's the most common one at this time of year. You say, this year, I want to lose weight. Great. So now you have to answer two questions. Question number one, why? Why do you want to lose weight? You may say, because I want to fit into my, my skinny jeans. I'm tired of wearing fat jeans. I want to wear skinny jeans again, all right? That may be your why. No judgment. That's your why. Cool. How are you going to do it? You want to lose weight? How? Well, you may join a CrossFit gym. You may recruit a walking buddy. You may go on a strict diet. These are your how. And every book on self-help and setting goals and motivational speaker, they'll say, these are the two questions you need to answer. And I will be here to say, it's not enough. It's not enough. That why and that how are not enough to experience a change because you've been here. You've done that. So here's the secret. We're not looking for, spiritual or for behavior modification. We're looking for spiritual transformation. Make it spiritual. You need a spiritual why and a spiritual how. Let me define those for you. Your spiritual why is God's purpose for you. Not just why you want something, but what does God want for your life? Your spiritual how is God's power through you. So not just how are you going to accomplish these things, but how are you going to tap into God's power because it's aligned with his why to get the things that God wants for your life. Your spiritual why your spiritual house. So let's see how this plays out. I'll keep these up here for you. Let's see how these play out. Say you say, I want to make, I want to spend less money this year. It's a good goal. Why do you want to spend less money this year? Because I'm tired of being broke. Okay, that's your why. Sounds good. But what if you made it spiritual? What if you said everything that come, that everything that I have comes from God? 
And one of the best ways that I could worship and honor him is by stewarding wisely and managing his resources to a point that I'm not just paying my bills, but I'm able to give and bless others abundantly. That's a spiritual why. How about this one? I'm a book nerd, so I set book goals. I want to read this year 50 books. That's my goal. And I'm on this thing called Goodreads. It's a social network for book nerds. So if you don't know what Goodreads is, you're not a book nerd like me, it's totally okay. But one of the things you can do on Bookread is indicate how many books you're going to read. And you put it out, and there's a community of people, and we all keep each other accountable. We all post our own books. We all rate it. It's just like a community of book nerds. So the question is, why do you want to read more books, Peyton? And I may say, because I want to look smart in front of all my Bookreads people. Not really a good why. What if we made it spiritual? I want to read more books because everybody benefits when Christians get better. And we get better not just in our bodies, not just in our faith, but we also get better in our minds. And reading books helps me love more deeply. It helps me connect more widely. It helps me see worldviews I've never seen before. I read more books, and I want to read more books because I want to use the mind God has given me. Let me give you one more. Some of you, you may not know, if you have a smartphone, you can actually see how many hours you look at your phone. I would recommend you not go dig and look at it now because I want you to leave here joyful, not depressed, because it is a scary number. Let me give you um, an average is about 92 hours a week. 92 hours a week. And you may look and say like, okay, I definitely don't want to look at my phone 92 hours a week. Why do you want to change? Because I don't want to look at my phone that much. That's a fine reason, but what if you made it spiritual? Who is God? God is love. And what is the greatest commandment God gave us? To love God and to love others. How loving are you when you're looking at a screen? What if, instead of double-clicking somebody's image to let them know how much you love them, what if you invited them into your home or took them out to coffee? What if you were wanting to be more aware and present with your kids when you're at the house. You see, when we make it spiritual, it changes. It almost becomes fun in a strange way. It's like, what does God want from me? What does God want from this goal? What is my spiritual why? And once you have your spiritual why, you move on to the spiritual how. We're not going to break down the spiritual how this morning. That's actually the rest of this series. But let me give you a, a little hint. And it's from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, where, where the prophet uh, Zechariah says God's words, and he says this. It's not by might, it's not by willpower, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me give you an example of how God is changing me, about what he's doing currently in my life when it comes to change. So God is helping me change my health and my diet. He is, uh, Darian and I, we're on a restrictive diet right now. We're doing it for about 30 days. It's kind of like a reset into the new year. What I'm hoping it does is that it will change my relationship with food, will change my rhythms of eating a little bit so that I can stay healthy for years and years to come. Because there's the reality, in high school, I could eat anything and everything, and I was as skinny and strong as I will ever be. 
right? I, I, was a, I was a runner. I was an athlete. I would literally eat four to five meals a day, whole meals a day, and could completely make it. Now, if I eat anything and everything that I want, I develop what people come to call a dad bod, which I like to call it a fatherly figure, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. So I want to tell you, when it comes to my health, what is not changing me? What is not changing me? You want to know what's not changing me? That I can't fit into my pants. I want to fit into my pants that I used to be able to fit in. I want them to fit comfortably, but that's not going to change me because I can just buy different pants. I can adjust to a new normal pretty quickly. So I'll just go out and buy new pants and then I'm right back to where I was. That's not going to change me. Do you want to know what's not going to change me? Is the shame when periodically I look in the mirror and I say, I don't look as healthy as I want to look. I don't feel as healthy as I want to feel. You want to know why that's not going to change me? Because I'll just walk away from that mirror carrying both weight and shame. I can just carry both of them. Do you want to know what is changing me? What fuel, what power I'm being fueled off of? It's a conversation I had with another Christian leader. We're talking about health, we're talking about goals. And he said, Peyton, if you want to be effectively serving Jesus for years and years to come, then you need to serve him by taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then everything changed. They made it spiritual. So it's not because I want to run more. It's not because I want to look better. It's not because I want to fit my pants or feel more confident. I mean, all of those things are great. But more than any of those things, I want to honor God. I want to honor his temple. I don't want to put trash into God's temple. It became spiritual for me. And now I'm using that spiritual power to make changes in my life that I actually want to make. So the question is, what changes do you want to make in your life? Maybe for you, it's an addiction. You want to break from bad habits. Maybe you want to break from every day when you get home, you have to have a drink. It's the only way that you can unwind. Maybe for you, it's taking a little bit too much of your prescription or some other kind of over-the-counter drug. Maybe for some of you, it's pornography. You want to break a habit that you've had for the majority of your life. Others of you, maybe it's online shopping, spending money, because you think all of those things will buy you happiness or buy you acceptance. Others of you, you want to be more organized. You're tired of not being able to park your car in your garage because it's filled with stuff. Or having people stay at your house because your guest bedroom, they can't even get to the bed. Or having a closet where you have nothing to wear because you have way too many options. Maybe some of you, you want to pray or read your Bible more regularly. We're starting Quest 52 today. We're reading as a church, going through 52 weeks with Jesus. Maybe you want to stay consistent with that this year. Add your spiritual why. Make it spiritual. By Jesus' help, I will overcome this addiction because I'm not a slave to sin. By the power of Jesus, I am set free. 
If you want to be more organized, recognize that you worship a God of order, not a God of chaos. And so you want and will order your life around the things that matter most. If you want to read your Bible more, then recognize that you are only as good as the things that you put inside of you. And so if you want more faith, you need more God. And you'll get him any way that you can. But that is your assignment this week. We have homework at church, right? That's your assignment. Find your spiritual why. We're going to be building out your spiritual house for the next month. But find your spiritual why. And before I leave you, before we land this plane, I want to give you a statement that shaped my life. One that has turned me into a person that has life happen to him, to somebody who's making the life God wants him to have. It's a statement that you can write down, you can put up somewhere, you can read on a regular basis, and it's this. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. So whenever I want to snooze my alarm, instead of getting up so I can exercise and meditate and read before my family wakes up, I'm disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than my desires in me. Whenever I am tempted to look at something that I'm not supposed to on social media, online, on a TV show, in a commercial now, I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires that are in me. When I, I told y'all a couple weeks that I have, I'm struggling with my anger and it's something I have to work on on a daily basis. So whenever I'm tempted to blow up on my kids because they do something that I told them not to do, I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires that are in me. Real change isn't God and then you come in. And every book, every guru will tell you that you have it in you to get what you want in life. If you just work harder, but you have worked harder. And yet, it's the same you. Real change isn't you're not involved, God just do all of the work. And listen, at the Vero Beach Church of Christ, we believe in the power of God. We believe God can do mighty things that we cannot explain, but that does not give you an excuse to kick up your feet and wait. We are in partnership with God. We've been like that from the beginning. Real change is always God through you. It's behavior modification it's not behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. It is a changing of your heart, and that is the key. If your heart is not being changed, if you're only changing your behavior, those behaviors will come back, and they will re-stick to a heart that hasn't been changed. It is a changing of our heart, which is why we are not trying and trying and trying and trying, we are trusting. We are trusting in our spiritual why. We're trusting in our spiritual how. We're trusting in the power of God's spirit working in us, changing our hearts. We are trusting. So why aren't you changing? You've tried, but you still work too much. You're still neglecting your family. You're still procrastinating. You're still skipping church more weekends than you're actually going to church. You're still clicking on those websites that you know you shouldn't be clicking on. You're still holding a grudge against somebody for a long time, for years and years. You're still spending more money on things that don't last. You're still in debt. Why do you still do that? And there's a lot of sub-reasons. 
But here's the main reason. The primary reason is it's a spiritual problem. Is that you're trying to meet a need, you're trying to relieve a hurt with something other than God's grace. Which is why Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Jesus, your grace is efficient. So in the area in your life where you can't seem to change, don't be ashamed of it. Just embrace it. Say, this is the area of my life that God, you have to change. And in my weakness, you will be made perfect. Jesus didn't give his life to make you feel better. Jesus gave his life to rescue you, to save you, to change you, and to free you. And if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, then you have no idea about the power that I'm talking about this morning. You have no idea because the Spirit hasn't poured out on you yet. I mean, we're talking about real power, real power that can make a real difference in your life. And some of you are going to leave here this morning leaving that offer on the table. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. You can make a different choice today. You can make a different choice this year for your life. So if you have ears, listen to God's voice to you right now. Come to me. Come to me with all of your questions. You don't need to lay down every single one of your doubts. I know you are afraid, but come to me, and I will give you joy that you can't purchase off of a shelf. Come to me and I will give you satisfaction that you're never going to find in the dark corners of the internet. Come to me and I will give you rest that you won't find on that exotic vacation. Come to me and I will give you peace that every politician out there is promising you. Accepting Jesus into your life is accepting a God through me mindset. And the way you accept Jesus is completely offering your life and being baptized into his name. In the same way Jesus died and was buried, so the old you is buried, immersed completely underwater. And in the same way Jesus rose, you rise up a new creation, empowered by his spirit. It's a power that the world can't sell you. It can't even give you a drop of it. It is the true power to change. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for this series. We thank you for this topic of change. Change is a scary thing. It's an exciting thing. And those two emotions, those two feelings go hand in hand more often than they don't. So God, let us be scared. Let us be excited this morning. As your believers, as we bring on this topic of change in our life. But it's not change in just what we do and our actions. It's a change of our heart. It's a change of the Spirit working inside of us. And so, Father God, we ask not for behavior modifications. We're looking for spiritual transformations. We're looking for you to change us from the inside out, not the outside in. Father, give us that power to change. Tap us into our spiritual why. Set us up for a year, for years and years to come. Let this year be different. God, we bring on your spirit. We accept it. We open ourselves up to it. Bring the change you want to see 
in our life, as a church, as an individual. It's in the power of Jesus' holy name that we offer you this prayer. Amen.